This episode of The Deeper Dig is brought to you by the attorneys at Downs Racklin Martin, who achieve maximum efficiency by developing exceptional depth of knowledge within specific areas of law. From regional entrepreneurs to Fortune 100 companies, DRM works with an array of individuals and businesses to solve the toughest legal challenges. Anything is possible when imagination and pragmatism live side by side. Downs Racklin Martin, business sense, legal ingenuity. From VT Digger, I'm Riley Robinson. This is The Deeper Dig. Mike and Tina Moss own Windswept Farm in Williston. It's a horse farm. There's Raindrop. They teach people to ride and care for horses and to compete in events like dressage. Their students range from elementary school kids all the way to adults. And over the years, I've been here so long, and I've seen generations of kids, and they've, they've become remarkable human beings, doctors, lawyers, veterinarians. There are some families where multiple generations have learned to ride at Windswept. I actually had one lady that I taught when she was 16, and she, she came back with her daughter. And she asked if I was still teaching, and I said yes. And she said, would you teach my daughter? Mike and Tina are so proud of the kids, and you can hear it in the way they talk about them. And so I taught her daughter for quite a number of years, and she now has a Ph.D. in psych and uh, is working at a university. They talk about the horses that way, too. They know all their distinct personalities. And Tina introduces me as we walk down the long line of stalls in the barn. Not as bad as I thought they would be. She doles out hay to each of them, and sometimes a few treats. This one usually talks too easy. Mike has farmed this land for 50 years. This land has been farmed since the 1760s or 70s. And so it's been in continuous farming. I moved here about 50 years ago. When I moved to Williston, there were enormous numbers of farms. It was mainly agricultural. When Mike started working here, it was a dairy farm. There was a fire, and after that, Mike bought the place. He watched the other farms disappear around him as Williston grew. Now all that's left are myself, Ward Johnson's farm down that way, which is farmed by his son-in-law, Denny Lewis. And uh, there's another farm up there on North Williston Road. And that's all that's left. There were, there were probably more than 10 farms just in the Williston town. What has it felt like watching Williston change over the 50 years you've been here? That's disturbing. You know, it, uh, I really enjoyed the agricultural se- setting. Now, when I first moved here, that was a dirt road outside. Now his road, Old Stage Road in Williston, is paved, and it branches off into housing developments. And if you've, if you've farmed land as long as I have, you become a part of the land. and know it enters into your soul, and you hate to see it changed. You hate to see it turned into simply just more houses. 
I don't think you can stop the inevitable. I think what you have to do is try and make it as palatable as possible and see if, if concerned people can put enough input in so that you do the least amount of harm possible. I would love to see this all stay in agriculture, but I know that's not possible. Mike has accepted that this landscape around him will continue to change. But depending on how a local commission votes next week, the change around him could put Windswept out of business. Around their farm is 97 acres of undeveloped land. Some of it is wetland with tall grasses, and it frames a view of Camel's Hump in Mount Mansfield. They lease a big chunk of this land from their neighbors for $1 a year. And that's where they pasture their horses. Well, if they developed the entire piece, it would put me out of business because no one would board a horse here if there is no longer pasture. And since I only own five acres and have leased everything else, and I have about 20 acres in pasture, basically I would have to shut down. And that would be the end of it. Now, those neighbors, the Glazers, have moved out of Williston, and they're looking to sell this land. The Glazers put a proposal before the town through a rarely used part of the town's bylaws. They want to see 93 housing units here, mostly duplexes. They donate a big chunk of the land to the town, including 11 acres meant to protect the view of the mountains. Mike and Tina would be able to keep using a piece of it for their farm. Tina and Mike have reluctantly come to support this plan. They don't want to see the land change. In their perfect world, it would stay open field forever. But they've accepted that the development here is inevitable, and this deal might be the only way their farm can survive. If it doesn't go through, the Glazers plan to put the lot on the market and sell to the highest bidder, which would probably be a commercial developer. And a commercial developer probably wouldn't lease to the farm, especially not for just a dollar. I wanted to see it delayed as long as possible. I don't think it can be delayed any longer, so I think we have to try and mitigate what damage could be done so that we still have the feeling of the state. You know, and it just isn't New Jersey with house upon house. Williston is one of the fastest-growing towns in Vermont. Between the 2010 and 2020 censuses, the town's population grew by 16 percent. That's more than twice as fast as Chittenden County as a whole, and more than five times as fast as the rest of the state. Over the same time frame, the state has entered a full-blown housing crisis. Home prices and rents have skyrocketed, and the vacancy rate for rental units is really low. The state has made huge investments in housing construction and renovation, but these trends haven't budged. If Vermont is serious about expanding its housing supply, it's going to face a lot of hard conversations like this one over the Glazer's property. This one piece of land gets at some of those big questions that can make development challenging. Where is all that housing going to go? What's the most responsible way to use this finite resource, this land? 
And who gets to make that decision? Jack Glazer and his wife, Caitlin, have owned the land around Windswept Farm for the past 20 years. This is Jack. So we'd been living there for about five years, and the land was uh, made available for sale by another one of our neighbors who was the owner at that time. And they decided uh, it it was time for them to sell this land. It was the last piece of a big farm that they had purchased probably back in the 1970s. My wife and I wanted to basically preserve it to keep it open, allow the horse farm to use it, and really just keep uh, any major developments from happening right next to our house. Jack, with his dad, founded a specialized microscope business that's also based in Williston. And Jack and Caitlin lived here for several years. But they sold their house a few months ago and moved, and now they're looking to sell this parcel. The fact of life is I'm getting older, my wife is getting older, And I know things take a long time. And we've reached the point in our life where we have other things that we need to attend to. And being active property developers is not something that's high on our list. But when they sell, they want to have some say in how this land gets used. We felt that what we wanted to do was try to preserve as much of it as we could while also basically building homes. And the more we... My wife and I looked into, I guess, the whole environment of housing shortage and just the nature of the real estate market. We, we you know, we kind of came to terms originally from our direction, which was, hey, let's just keep this land open in perpetuity. And kind of in, in our contemplation, in our evaluation of what we should do, we realized that it probably was not the responsible thing to do, which was preserve a big piece of land in the middle of what the town considered to be the growth uh, density district of the town. Williston is zoned into three parts. There's a dense area of shopping centers and taller apartment buildings. Then there's the residential area, which contains the original village of Williston. And beyond that, it's all rural. Zoning rules dictate what kinds of buildings can go where and how they connect to the town water and sewer systems. For example, buildings in the more rural part of town have to use their own septic. The Glazer's land is in that middle zone, meaning it's approved for town water and sewer access. It's zoned for residential use. In my mind, we need more homes. We need um, there to be like less of a housing shortage. To accomplish that, we're in a unique position right now where we have this property, which is in the uh, zone that is really been allocated for residential growth. So we think we have, in a sense, a responsibility to see that 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 property gets developed responsibly. There's a long tradition of conservation in Vermont. Some conservationists would argue the responsible thing to do with land like this is to leave it untouched. Jack's pitch to his neighbors is different. He's saying, basically, with this housing crisis, it would be irresponsible to not build anything where we can. You know, if we were to keep this land open, the unintended consequence is not that, oh, there'd be this beautiful part of land, but it will be, there's going to be more pressure on creating a sprawl environment, which is unplanned growth or growth that kind of pops up in more 
rural areas where there's not the support of a sewer system, not the support of a water system. In my mind, that's just not the responsible thing to do. The Vermont joke, uh, Burlington's nice, it's close to Vermont, as if Burlington is not a part of Vermont. This is Emily Heyman, Williston's senior planner. And then we, you know, field inquiries from people who moved to Williston and are furious about the subdivision going behind their house. And they declare, we moved to rural Vermont. And it's like, well, you're on a town paved road, a plowed road with, you know, municipal water and sewer. And yes, it's, it's more rural in comparison to an urban metropolitan area, but in Vermont context, it's not rural. And so, you know, for people to, you know, have a, a grounding in a similar definition is a really important place to start. I went to Emily and the town planner, Matt Boulanger, and I asked them why Williston looks the way it does. Like, why is Williston the town with all these big parking lots and big stores? So a, a lot of why Williston looks the way it looks really goes back to, number one, its proximity to Burlington, um, the intersection of two state highways, routes 2 and 2A, and then the addition of exit 12 off of I-89 um, in 1962. But, you know, the expansion out of Burlington really started, you know, right around or just after 1955. So that was the first strip mall in Chittenden County outside of Burlington, um, the Staples Plaza in South Burlington. There wasn't room in Burlington for um, everything that people wanted, the way that people started wanting to shop. Um, mass adoption of the privately owned car as a means of transportation, uh, the suburban expansion of housing that came after World War II with the GI Bill um, and the establishment of the FHA and FHA loan programs. So the, the suburban story of America played out very similarly in Chittenden County as it did in most of the rest of the country. Um, and again, you know, big external forces start to squeeze growth and development out of um, that traditional downtown core in Burlington. Um, and Williston's part of that. Zoning, as Matt described it, was the local response to these big forces outside of local control. That demand for construction and development pressure continued for the next few decades. In the 90s, Williston developed an additional planning and permitting process called growth management. Primarily, the, the goal of growth management is to regulate the pace of growth. And, and in this case, we're talking about residential growth, regulate the pace of growth so in a way that the town can keep up with it in terms of its ability to provide services and its ability to expand services as more services are needed at a pace that's sustainable. And by services, Matt's talking about schools, the police and fire departments, and sewage capacity. I mean, I, I think given Williston's proximity to the Burlington area and given what I was talking about, you know, the, the highway exit, the intersection of two state highways were down the road from the airport, that there's anything left in Williston at all that is farmland or forest or, and, and public on top of that in many cases, it's really kind of miraculous. Um, all of the other exterior forces would would say that that's not what's going to happen to a place like this. And, and there are examples all over the country and in Vermont where, where that's not what happened um, to the rural landscape. To regulate new construction, Williston doles out a limited number of permits each year. 
developers essentially compete for them. Project proposals get ranked against each other and can beat out their competition if they include certain design elements the town wants. Open space, walking trails, energy efficiency, etc. There's a set number of permits for each of the town's three zones, the dense core, the residential middle area, and the rural perimeter. There's a lot of demand to build homes in that residential zone where the Glazer's land is. And in that part of town, Williston grants only 20 permits per year. Those building permits are already claimed for the next decade. In my eyes, it's going to kind of be like trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. It's going to be pretty tough. Williston's growth management plan makes things more complicated for the Glazers. If a developer went the conventional permitting route and got in this queue, they wouldn't be able to build any homes here for at least a decade. Then they'd have to pace out construction over several years. Yeah, we had people who were like, forget it, I'm not going to be trying to do anything in Williston. It'll take anything. It'll take way too long for anything to get built. Not interested. People didn't want to build in Williston at all. Absolutely. It just takes, for, for a lot of developers we talked to, it was not, there was no interest. And the Glazers want to keep some of this land open. But to do that, they had to find a developer who's okay with building and selling fewer homes. So they had to structure a deal where a developer could still turn a profit. When they can only build a couple homes per year, or they have to wait 10 years to get started, each house costs them more to build. The developer said, I can, you know, I can do fewer homes if we can do a, a little bit tighter of a timeline. Jack declined to name the developer since the plan is still in the works. So if they can build um, a number of houses in a shorter time period, it's much more economical. So they're able to basically make more affordable houses and do the work more efficiently. If, if it takes longer, it costs more money, and that means that they need to build more homes for them to you know, meet their margins. Basically, if they want a developer to build fewer units, they need to find a way to build those units faster and in one go, instead of waiting for the permits to dribble out a few at a time year after year. And that's why they're trying this unusual zoning option laid out in the town bylaws called a specific plan. It would function essentially like a trade. The landowners offer the town something the town wants, a, quote, substantial public benefit. There's a set list of possible public benefits a landowner can offer, for example, creating public space, providing jobs, or building affordable housing. And in return, this project wouldn't go through that long permit queue. Ideally, this process would create a mutually beneficial relationship that helps Williston meet certain goals already written into the town plan. The Glazers are offering public space. In this plan, they would donate 53 acres to the town, and they've said 11 acres of that would protect the view shed, that vista of Camel's Hump that's visible from the road. Tonight, the Planning Commission is having their Glazer-specific plan community meeting. To pull this off, the Glazers need to keep a lot of different people on board, and they all have different competing interests. They need to keep it profitable enough for a developer, and they need to keep it palatable to the people of the town. And we have, obviously, some public comment um, regarding the Glazer-specific plan that will come up in a moment. 
Williston residents have a lot to say about this proposal. At the last planning commission meeting on December 6th, the seats were full and a whole bunch more people called in on Zoom. The town has now scheduled a third meeting for public comment. Um, okay, so let's start with one in the room. Yes, go ahead. Say your name, please. Too. My name is Michael Moss. This is my wife, Tina. We're the owners and operators of Windswept Farm. A lot of people who ride at Windswept or have kids who ride there showed up to speak in support of the plan. It's been very clearly stated that the view shed and the horse farm um, are very important to many people in this town. I myself have been riding at the horse farm since I was seven years old. I encourage you to advance a specific plan um, because I do believe that Windswept is a significant benefit to our community. I also, for the last 12 years, have stabled a Shetland pony named Raindrop at the Windswept farm. Windswept Farm isn't technically the part of the deal the Planning Commission is voting on. The farm isn't the public benefit. But a lot of people at the meeting urged the commission to consider it. Aside from people with connections to the farm, there was pushback from people who live nearby. Uh, traffic on Old Stage Road is, is quite a mess. And this plan, uh, this hurried development is just going to make it worse. See, they look really clustered. Northridge is super clustered. They're not attractive. They're all on top of each other. I don't really think that that's what Vermonters or Williston people want. Um, I'd like to see them more spread out and more attractive, and I'm just wondering if any of these pristine, uh, you know, space, tons of wildlife that traverse across Old Stage Road back and forth between those spaces, uh, and it would be a shame to lose all that. And some residents opposed how this plan was going through. This feels like it's really holding the community hostage by saying, look, we're going to build less, but you get to keep the farm. This proposal that feels like it's putting the community under hostage situation where, well, if you don't give us this now, then we're just going to sell it to the highest bidder and they're going to develop it at twice the rate. I asked Jack to respond to this after the meeting. I don't see how we're holding the town hostage at all. It's like, we're just, we're the landowners. We're just um, applying to basically do what the rights of a landowner are in on that particular land. You know, we're not asking for a higher density. We're not asking for something that's outside of what the town plan is calling for. Matt, the town planner, said there's always pushback any time undeveloped space is considered for a construction project. And there are some reactions to that that I think are just really human and, and really common. Most of us would rather things didn't change. I think when we're talking about new development, we almost always in those public hearings hear about uh, traffic, concerns about traffic, and we heard that. After the meeting, I talked to John Kalacki, an outgoing state representative from South Burlington. He spoke at the meeting because he boards a Shetland pony at Windswept. The other thing that I heard tonight is not to discount anyone's fears, but people were worried about change. And when I'm in these housing conversations, it's not in my backyard kind of conversation. Well, this is really an interesting thing, but I don't think it should be here. He worked on housing issues in the legislature and saw other communities in Vermont are having similar conversations. I'm really astonished at the sprawl that's happened um, without addressing the extreme need that we have for housing as well. 
I think what we heard tonight, what we're hearing in South Burlington at similar meetings about new developments, almost are the same conversations. Is this too much? Is this too little? Is it uh, mixed-use housing? Is it who is it addressing? What are we going to do for you know those less fortunate? Um, but I think a town or a city has to kind of look at all of those things in the whole. But every development can't solve all of those issues. A couple people at the meeting opposed the project because it didn't include any designated affordable housing. Firstly, I think the argument for its substantial benefit to the community doesn't reflect the realities of life in Vermont circa 2020, where we face a severe housing shortage and a deeper understanding of how about housing enforces exclusion of some folks. It doesn't reflect that business leaders cannot staff their growth because of housing. It doesn't reflect our new town values and hopes to build a more inclusive town. I asked Jack Glazer why they didn't propose any affordable housing in this project when affordable housing is one of the options that counts as a public benefit. The balance then would be, do you build affordable houses in a place that the town has already said you don't really want to build houses in? I think that would create a conflict that I don't know that the town would support. And I've heard, you know, what the developers especially who are involved with this particular project, say is to do affordable housing, it's, of course, it's much more financially restrictive for them. It's harder for them to make any money. And so the only way that they could do that would be to build yet more homes. And so anyone who is concerned with this being too large a development at whatever I think we're proposing now, 93, if we were to do more homes to be more affordable, we'd probably be looking at over 200 or approximately 200 homes. And I don't, to be honest, I don't feel comfortable putting 200 homes on that piece of land at this point. I, For me, I feel with the values that I have and the values that I see in my neighbors that we want to keep a good part of the land open. How much do you think each unit would go for at market rate? I have no, to be honest, I have no idea. I thought I had an idea like two years ago when we started talking, but the prices have just gone up and up. So I I can't even predict what housing is going to sell for in two or five years from now. Mm-hmm. So I really don't want to get in and say, oh, these are going to be like $350,000 homes. That might be totally um, unreasonable in five years. I have no idea. <laughs> They're not, so I can say that we're not aiming for, this is not going to be a luxury home project. It's really for kind of middle, middle class. That's what we envision. Matt, the town planner, predicted those homes would cost more like four hundred and fifty dollars to $500,000 based on what similar units have been selling for. I went back to Mike and Tina's house the day after the planning meeting. How do you feel after last night's meeting? I know it didn't end in a vote, but... I think that they could go either way. I think it's 50-50. I'm not sure which And I asked Tina, what should Vermont do about the housing shortage? What do you make of that problem? Um, I'm sad about it because I don't think that they're building housing for the workers and the Vermonters. I think they're building houses for people who are coming out of state. Out-of-staters aren't the only factor in Vermont's housing shortage. But Tina has a point here. 
There's no way a lot of Vermonters can afford a half-million-dollar unit in a duplex, especially if they're working in a rural economy. I'll tell you a quick story. A guy called me one day, and he was looking at buying a house. He was, at, in fact, under agreement to buy a house in a new subdivision in the suburban part of Williston. And so we were talking about the subdivision and where the house was and some things like that. And then he asked me a question. He said, well, what's Williston like? And I said, well, that says to me that you've, you've never been here. And he said, no, I haven't. My wife's from New England. We live in Virginia. We've decided to move to Williston uh, and we're buying a house there. And I said, well, I, I've got to ask why. He says, it's too hot in the summer down here now. It used to not be too hot in the summer. Now it is. You know, they're selling a single family home where they're coming from. Um, it means they have the means to purchase that new single family home uh, here in Williston. And, you know, generally, I mean, we were talking about home prices and what some of this new construction tends to cost. You know, we are talking about folks with significant means. I was looking at the, the middle unit of a triplex in Williston uh, built in the last five years. So probably the least desirable of the three units in the triplex because it's in the middle. Uh, and I saw that one went uh, last week for $506,000. There are some material benefits to the town with all this competition to build here. The town is in a position to make demands. The, the broader theme is that when, when you are working in a place or living in a place that's desirable for a lot of stuff, you also get to say to that stuff, well, you can come in, but you know, there's some things we want. We might want nicer building design. Uh, we might want some open space uh, given to us as part of that. Because of its proximity to Burlington, Williston doesn't need to do much to bring in businesses or jobs but a lot of other communities in Vermont don't have those advantages. There are places, there are a lot of places in Vermont where change is either much, much slower or it's actually going in the other direction. Um, you know, there, there, there are communities in decline. Um, so there are communities in Vermont that are losing population, um, that are, in a relative sense are losing land value. Um, I think the, the most sort of poignant version of that story is looking at school closures happening as a result of consolidation and consolidation happening as a result of population decline. Matt went to Mount Abraham High School in the 90s, and that school district has shrunk dramatically in the past several years to the point where the community has considered merging school districts or major staff cuts. Those are some pretty hard decisions, too. And so... The, the flip side of growth is not all sort of sunshine and rainbows necessarily. And I think regardless of that, the best way to deal with that human resistance to change is, is to dig in and engage with it. The Williston Planning Commission is set to vote next week on if the Glazer's proposal would provide substantial public benefit. With this vote, no would mean no. The Glazers would go put the land on the market. A yes vote would really mean maybe. The plan moves forward, but it's a long road ahead. 
The plan would go to a committee of residents, then it would need to be approved by the select board, then it would go to the development review board. It costs the Glazers more money to do this. They're paying for this process, and they'd make less money on the land. I'm, I'm still stuck on this. Again, we're coming back to it, but this option is a lot more work. To do that extra work is, like, what's your why? Because we want to do what we think is the right thing. That's the why is we want to do what we think is the right thing, the responsible thing. And I guess that is definitely balanced with the amount of effort that it's going to take. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to do the right thing, you know, the move forward with this using extraordinary means. I, f I feel we're already going way out of our comfort zone in order to try to make this happen. It would have been far easier for us to call up a realtor or one of the developers that, you know, have approached us before and just say, give us a number, you know, and we're ready to sell. Um, that would be far easier. You know, we've, we've known the mosses for a long time. We know the horse farm. And we didn't really think that that was the right thing to do. This land has been proposed for development before. In 1983, a developer wanted to build 500 homes on a plot that included this parcel. And that got fierce pushback. People complained about the crowding, the traffic, the environmental impact. This is how the Burlington Free Press wrote about it at the time. Quote, The developer responded that growth is inevitable, and a proposal such as his offered the best chance for planning that growth. Ultimately, it didn't matter. The buyer backed out. This episode used music from Blue Dot Sessions, and you can subscribe to the show wherever you stream your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon.